Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word and your words. We thank you that your words are life to us, that they're health to all of our flesh. We thank you, Father, for your spirit who you've given to us to uh, interpret and to transmit and to make your words real to us. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. We thank you for deliverance from all the power of sin, from all the power of darkness. We thank you for victory over our flesh. We thank you that our minds are being changed, that our minds are being transformed. We thank you that as believers we have been made in your likeness and your image. We have been recreated in him, in your son, in Jesus Christ. We pray today as we look to your word that each one of us would hear with our spiritual ears and see with our spiritual eyes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of, this is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Uh, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to them that are blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, and I don't know if you know or not, but that's where we live right here today. 2022 is the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, this is the day of salvation. This is the day of uh, being made brand new. This is the day of deliverance. This is the day of light. And this is the day of the outpouring of the Spirit of God on the earth. Jesus said in John chapter 10, uh, verse 10, the, the thief has come but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come. I'm speaking like I'm Jesus. It's no big deal that I have come. If you don't recognize the fact that there is a greater one on the inside of me than the one that you see on the outside. A no, no man according to the flesh. The disciples said that. He even said, uh, even though we used to know Jesus this way, we used to just regard him after his flesh. Oh, he's a good man. Man, he, he speaks some uh, interesting things. We really still can't figure out what he's trying to say. But he keeps doing a lot of really good things. And he... He acts like and he speaks like he knows what he's talking about. Every other teacher, nobody ever talked like that before. All the other ones were like, you know, I think I got it figured out. This is my theory, right? A theory is a supposition established upon ignorance of the subject under discussion. You heard that? A theory is a supposition established upon ignorance of the subject under discussion. In other words, this is my theory. This is how I have it figured out. Jesus didn't come with theories. 
Jesus didn't even come with teachings. He taught. He came with life. He said, the devil's trying to steal, kill, and destroy the thief. That's his whole plan, his whole purpose. He said, but I have a different purpose. I have a different purpose. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Well, Jesus said, I came to do the will of my Father. And I came to reveal the Father. Like, what is God like? What is God's attitude? What would God do in this situation? Well, just find out what Jesus did and you'll know what God would do. Because Jesus said, I never do my own will. I do the will of my Father who sent me. This is my, my dad is sitting right over here. This is my dad and mom. Say, hi, dad and mom. Hi, dad and mom. So I was saying that and thinking, I wonder if my dad's thinking right now, if Tim would have just said, I never do my own thing, I just do what my dad says. <laughs> Jesus said, I just find out what God's saying and what God's doing, and that's what I do. Let's go for a second to Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 2. We're talking today about the resurrection and what happened in the resurrection. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. If you want to remember it, 2, 2, 2. Well, I'll just start with verse 21 because it's a great verse. Uh, and it shall come to pass that whosoever, verse 21, Acts 2, 21 that whosoever say that's me that means anyone anyone anywhere whosoever whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved you know there was this uh, guy that lived on a um, Native American reservation, and uh, there was a uh, missionary that went there to minister, and uh, she was preaching on this. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord be saved. And there was this big, big Native American uh, who would always drink and get drunk. And uh, uh, he would get drunk, and he'd come into the church service. He wasn't a believer. He'd come in and he would just like destroy everything, knock it all over, make a mess, everything like that. Well, one Sunday uh, when this missionary was there preaching, preaching on this verse, uh, he came in. And uh, as soon as uh, the missionary is reading that verse, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That big, big old Native American ran up to the front and they thought, oh, no. He's just going to totally disrupt the service again, just make a mess. And he went up to the front, and he just said, Jesus! <laughs> and they realized he's calling on the name of the Lord. So really quickly, some people from the church 
came next to him and said, okay, let's pray for you to receive Jesus. And he said, oh, no, I don't need to do that. He said, she just said, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I don't need to do that. I called on the name of the Lord. I'm saved. Thank you. And they said, well, no, no, you need to. <laughs> because what they were seeing when they saw him, they saw destruction and danger. In other words, they knew him after the flesh. And that lady missionary, she said, I had to check up on whether I, how much I actually believe my own preaching. <laughs> but you know what? That man was born again that day. And he became one of the biggest soul winners in the entire church. Well, the Bible's true. It's not a religious thing to come to God. They thought, well, he, it's going to be really tough to get him born again. <laughs> We're going to have to really like press through. Well, God didn't see it that way. And when he saw God, he didn't see it that way. And God will change you faster than you can snap your fingers. He'll take your stony heart out and put a heart of flesh. Like maybe you read the Old Testament sometimes, you're like, how in the world could they have like a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire leading them by night and they still doubt it? Well, they had a hard heart. They had a heart of stone. Uh, God said, I'm going to fix that problem. Uh, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Verse 22, Acts chapter 2, verse 22, the next verse. Uh, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which who did? By who? Which God did by him. Who is him? Jesus of Nazareth. So who did the miracles? God. By who? Jesus. Where did Jesus find out what to do? From God. Uh, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. In other words, remember when Christ came, we know who he was, most of us, before we even read the Bible. They didn't know before they were living the Bible. Uh, John chapter 11. Let's go to John chapter 11. And while you're there, I'm going to uh, take a side uh, path here. And I'm going to read Isaiah 53, verse 1 through 8. Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, those two verses right there, uh, you know. If you believe the report, you will see the arm of the Lord revealed to you. If you believe, which is where we're going to go in John, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. 
If you what? Believe, you will see the glory of God. Not everyone believes. And you don't always believe. If you're a believer here today, it's kind of ignorant to not believe and call yourself a believer. Do you like that? I have found myself there many times. Uh, well, just like this uh, uh, missionary to the Native Americans. She's like, I found out, wait a minute, do I even believe my own preaching? Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. This is speaking of Christ. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. You look in the original Hebrew, that actually also mainly has reference to sickness and disease. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised. For our iniquities. You know what transgressions and iniquities are? So transgressions are like you just, you just, um, you did something wrong. Iniquities are your nature is to do wrong things. Right? You, you, you like, everyone must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you must be born again, Jesus said. Without uh, being born again, no one can see the kingdom. So sometimes people are trying to understand the things of God and the things of the kingdom of God. You might as well give up. You will never understand the kingdom of God or the things of the kingdom until you're a part of the kingdom. You must be born again. You must be born from above. Nicodemus thought, you know, again, you know, know no man according to the flesh. So Nicodemus only knew people according to the flesh. So when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus about the kingdom of God, Nicodemus is like, and he said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, it's convenient that my mother and father are here this morning, but I'm not going to demonstrate this. You, you mean I must go back into my mother's womb and be born over? He's thinking like me and mom are thinking right now. That's not possible. One of us has grown bigger. No, he's thinking natural thoughts. But Jesus, a lot of times the reason you, you, you read the words of Christ and you're like, because you're thinking natural, just natural things. And he's thinking eternal things and supernatural things. And he's speaking of those things. And he's speaking from that place. And the thing is, never make the mistake 
to believe that believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the deliverance from the curse that sin brought on humans will never have any physical evidence or better way to say it tangible evidence we have touchable evidence for what we believe in other words uh, the natural mind will try to spiritualize everything that Jesus said well that when he talks about healing he doesn't mean physical healing oh no he taught he means physical healing like you had a problem in your body and problem is no more that is real he came teaching, preaching, and healing. And that shows the will of God. Teaching, preaching, healing. He healed blind people. Over 2,000 years ago, he came to the earth. And he healed blind people. And he cleansed people with leprosy. Actually, he healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. This man who lived then. But you can go. Well, I'm supposed to go last year and then COVID hit. So they shut down the airlines. And then I was supposed to go this spring and they said, no, COVID still hit. Israel's not open. And uh, now they say I'm supposed to go in the fall. Sometime, if Jesus doesn't come back before I come, before I come, before I go, I'm going to go to Israel. And I'm going to look and put my head uh, over where they got it graded off. I get. I'm going to look in the empty tomb because he is not there. He came then 2,000 years ago, but he is eternal, and he took on flesh, and he still has the flesh. So everything he did 2,000 years ago, because he rose from the dead, he is still doing today in those that have received him. Wouldn't it be strange? Wouldn't it be strange? You know, she's not in here, so we'll have to make sure she listens to the message. But uh, Isabella, last week, I talked about Isabella. And uh, she was having discussions with my children. And uh, my children come back and told me that uh, Isabella says, um, our, you know, every family has a smell, and your family smells like dirt. Upon further research this week, we found out that uh, maybe she said organic and the kids interpreted it to mean dirt. <laughs> so I'm thinking for like years, like she's like, I smell dirt, I smell dirt. You make me want to plant something. <laughs> I mean, it's good. She could have said you smell like horses or something, but... Um, 
she said, you smell like dirt. Your family smells like dirt. And I thought it was scriptural because, you know, from the dust you came and to the dust you shall return. <laughs> so Jesus is still alive today. And he's doing, let me say this, his will is to do exactly what his will was to do when he was on the earth. And that is the will of the Father. In fact, in John chapter 14, 15, 16, which I'm trying not to go there because we're in the middle of that series and that's not the subject of today, but he said, I am in God and God is in me and I am in you, and you are in me. So the same, uh, and he said, his prayer in John chapter 17 actually was that we would all be one with him, with them, just as he is one with his Father. That that same union, that all of those, and, and you know, thank God, Thank God for his wisdom. Jesus was so yielded to God and to the, the Spirit of God, he spoke forth from the wisdom of God. And he said, I am saying this and praying this, not, Father, just for those that are here right now over 2,000 years ago to hear me. He said, I'm praying this for all those that will believe on me through their words. Do you believe on Jesus through the words of the apostles? I do. So that's me. And if you do, that's you. And so Jesus... You know, Jesus freely gave his life. He made a decision to give of his life. It was his choice. So challenging was this choice that in the Garden of Gethsemane, somebody said that's the Garden of Get Some Money. No. <laughs> the Garden of Gethsemane, it says, the Bible says, he sweat as it were great drops of blood. And he prayed a prayer and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What is he talking about? Well, his, his death, right? We know it's his death. He said, let this cup pass from me. So in the Word, you find out you can actually drink a cup, and it's not always referring just to physical fluid, right? So he said, let this cup pass. For In other words, he's partaking of this. He's drinking of this, right? He said, let this uh, cup pass from me. Nevertheless, here, he said it out loud. He confessed it. Why? You know, in 
the greatest times of your temptation, your tests, when your flesh is screaming out, I don't want to do this, I don't want to go this way, the greatest deliverance that you could ever have would come from words that you heard from God that you let escape out of your mouth, that they find their form through your voice. So Jesus' voice spoke, not my will, but yours be done. You know, Jesus said the same thing um, over in uh, Matthew, oh, I don't remember which chapter, four, five, or six, uh, beginning of Matthew there, and I was studying the confessions of Jesus, and so I thought, well, I'll just start at the beginning. So I start at the beginning, look at the confessions of Jesus, and the first confession I found in Matthew about Jesus is uh, where they had journeyed, and the disciples uh, went into the town, and he's with, the, I think, the woman at the well, and... Um, Anyhow, they come back, and they're like, let's go get some food. You know, food and eating together is a part of Christianity. <laughs> and that's not just a joke. If you look up and you study hospitality, you study coming together, there's something about having a meal together that you share a closeness. Especially if it's a good meal. <laughs> no, if it's a bad meal, you all remember it together. Now, my mom is a wonderful cook, but there was one time that I recall, one meal that the whole family remembers. <laughs> I'm getting in trouble. It was called, well, my mom's always liked horses, and uh, she still has a horse, she still rides a horse, praise the Lord, at... Uh, her young age, I won't say it. Okay, and so, um, but I am 45. And so, um, and so, our meal today might not be that close of fellowship. So we had a, a meal that she was experimenting in, a, you know, uh, she made this great meal, I think about the same time, I don't know if it was the same time she was experimenting, but it's called sukiyaki. And it was an amazing meal, and it has, like, these little strips of steak in it, and so flavorful, and I'm just redeeming myself from what I'm going to say. And so she came up with this meal called Hay and Straw. Well, you would think just with the name Hay and Straw that you would kind of indicate, like, that's not a good meal. <laughs> but, but she made this meal, Hay and Straw, and... It was the, about the worst meal I have ever had in my entire life. And my dad, I don't remember my dad. I don't think I remember you ever complaining about any food that we ever ate, except for hay and straw. And he didn't even whine. You know, normally you're like, ah. And uh, it was something like my parents always made us whatever was set before us we had to eat. Right? But not this meal. Because even they tasted it and said, taste and see that the food is bad. And so, so we did not eat it. And, um, so sometimes the meals are not always like... Uh, Sometimes you have a, a meal failure, but my mom is a, is a um, great cook, and hopefully she'll forgive me. 
don't even remember where I was. So, <laughs> it'll come right back. And so, um, huh? Yeah. So sometimes you're partaking of the same cup and you don't like it. So Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. And he didn't want to do it. But sometimes you have to, with your words, make a path for the deliverance of God to come on. So he spoke those things. So I'm reading in Matthew, the beginning of Matthew. And in Matthew, you know, he's waiting. Uh, they're hungry. That's where I got on the side journey of my mother. And so they're hungry. And they come back and they're like, let's go get some food. Remember Jesus' response? They call it meat in the King James. Let's go get some meat. <laughs> so he said, my meat is to do the will of God and continue his work. Why did he say that? Well, multiple reasons, but one reason is he was hungry. But he's putting his words out there. As soon as you speak those words, he has the power to overcome that hunger. Do you understand? Like a physical hunger. And he's declaring, uh, you know, what he's going to say later, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Your only source of sustenance is not natural food. Actually, your ultimate source of sustenance is the words of God. And you feed yourself on the words of God, and you'll find out you're, you're going to end up eating the right natural food if you continue yielding to his words. He'll lead you in what to eat. Melody and I were going to the Philippines, was it? And I don't know, we just kind of like... Um, not over-spiritualizing it, but we just kind of like follow our hearts and what we, what we buy for food and stuff like that. And we were eating like yogurt and yogurt and yogurt and yogurt. I'm like, why are we eating so much yogurt? You know? Well, apparently it builds up some type of uh, immunity or helps you in your body or whatever. I don't remember what it was now because it was so long ago. Um, but you know, uh, you will just unconsciously be eating what's right. And what's wrong, you, what's, what you shouldn't eat uh, you'll kind of have a hesitation and hopefully you follow the hesitation. And sometimes your, your mouth likes all of the other flavors. And so uh, in John chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus answered, said, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be, excuse me, glorified. That's chapter 12. Um, chapter 11. Verse 22, but I know that even now, whatever you will ask God, God will give it to you. What's he talking about? In verse 14, and Jesus um, said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So for the sake of time, I don't want to read the whole chapter. Um, but, uh, you know, they're like, you know, Lazarus is not feeling well. Will you come? And it said he stayed there for two more days. He stayed for two more days. And... Uh, he told them in verse 11 that Lazarus is sleeping and I have to go wake him up. Well, they thought he meant that he was sleeping, resting, still breathing and alive. And so Jesus realized that they didn't understand. And so he said, um, no, what I mean is he's dead. That's verse 14. Verse 15. And I'm glad he was for your sake that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. 
Nevertheless, let's go to him. Uh, verse, I'll just read right through. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. So Thomas didn't understand. But you remember Thomas was not what you would call a man of great faith. He said, unless I see and feel and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. But Jesus uh, said, blessed are those who have not seen yet do believe. That's you and that's me, if you believe. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain him in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was near to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. She was right. Because Jesus had just said that to his disciples right before that. He's like, I'm so glad I wasn't there. Because you're going to see something. If I was there, you wouldn't have seen it. Why? Because he carried life. But he carried life, and not everyone he came in contact with came in contact with the life that he carried. Isn't that interesting? Why would you think that everyone you come in contact with will connect with the life of God that is on the inside of you? If with Jesus, that didn't happen. You say, what are you talking about? Well, you know, the example I think of uh, most prominent is the pool of Bethesda. Jesus went and healed the one man. He didn't heal all the other people that were around there. He wasn't the only one waiting, but yet he healed the one man. So what's, what's he talking about here in John chapter 11? Well, I want you to notice as we read the context here, he's talking about people that believe. And people that believe have a certain heart. You could call it a desire or a hunger. Well, I, you want to see God show up in someone's life? Find someone that is hungry for him. Every time he will feed them. He might feed them through you. His will is for every single one, every single person uh, to have resurrection life in them. Not just salvation for their spirit, but resurrection life in their body. The will of God was not for those others at the pool of Bethesda to stay uh, sick and uh, broken. The will of God was for them to all be healed. And to all get up. And Jesus meant, went many places where it says, He healed them all. Why? They were all open to what He had from God. But if you're not open to what Jesus has from God, or if you're not open to what another believer has from God, or a minister in the name of God, anyone in the name of God, what they have from God, don't expect to receive. Well, why? Well, if that was the case... Why in the world is not every person born again? 
That's the will of God. It's clear in the scripture. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to not even have his life in this life. Yet not everybody does. Why? Because God is love, and love does not force. Love will come right along beside you, believe with you. He has mercy on you. But Jesus said, do as you have seen me do. Jesus was more conscious of the will of God and following the will of God and the plan of God and fulfilling the purpose of God than he was in just displaying the power of God. The ultimate power of God is the love of God. And that love of God will cause demonstrations that we think are spectacular and demonstrations that we may think are more subtle. But Jesus wasn't fixated on, you know, uh, the power of God that came upon him when the Spirit of God came upon him. He was fixated on the joy that was set before him, which was you and which was me and which are those that don't yet know and have not yet heard. All right, where were we at? Okay. Verse 22. But I know that even now... Oh, no, let me back up. I missed one. Then Martha, verse 20, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Am I talking about honoring the things of God or being hungry for the things of God? So Martha's there, and um, she heard Jesus is coming. When he was not even in the city, he was outside the city. So Martha gets up and, and like runs to him, goes to him. Later, Mary finds out he's there, and Mary does the same thing. She runs and she goes. And she said, if you had been here, he would not have died. So Martha, as much as we kind of ding on Martha sometimes for just doing all the work, 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 and not there worshiping, she believed. She was trusting in God in Christ, right? All right. So then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha uh, to Jesus, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. She sounds like a hungry believer, like someone that believes that he is uh, the Messiah. Jesus uh, said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, verse 24 to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. The, the Jews knew of the resurrection. Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection. So, you know, put yourself there as Martha. So she's there, and uh, Jesus is like, oh, he's going to rise again. He's speaking of right now. And she's kind of spiritualizing it off to the future. <laughs> right? 
oh yeah, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection, of course, but I'm going to miss him now. And I'm talking about now, and you're talking about then. But Jesus is speaking in faith, and Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is. Faith is now. Faith is not later. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is not next month. Faith is what do you believe God wants to do and will do, and what will you touch right now? What's going to change right now? I don't have time to do that. Praise the Lord. So, healing is now. Salvation is now. We talked last week, you know, it's Palm Sunday. So they're saying victory now. This is now. All right, let, let me finish here. I am the resurrection. So she's looking like to this resurrection. And he's saying, this event that you are thinking of, I am that event. I am the resurrection. In other words, so she's, I, I was thinking, wait a minute, if I was her, I'd be thinking, wait a second, you are the resurrection? You are the resurrection? So the resurrection is not in my future. The resurrection is now? When the resurrection is in front of me? The resurrection is talking to me? The resurrection is saying that he's going to resurrect my brother? Right now? Jesus was as a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. You understand, he is God shown up in time. But God supersedes time. God is outside of time. So we today, uh, whatever, April 4th, 2022, 2021, where am I going? 2021. I got outside the realm of time and got confused. No. <laughs> we are visiting the resurrection. Because the resurrection is not bound by time. This is how every one of you, if you're born again, got born again. The resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, raised you from the dead and recreated you when you believed and received because the resurrection is an eternal event. In fact, the same power that is in the resurrection is in the belief of the resurrection when it is spoken. So the same power that raised the body of Jesus Christ from the dead, that same power is available to you whenever you believe and speak it. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? Amen. What's he talking about? Wasn't he just talking about Lazarus raising from the dead? Not at the resurrection we heard about, 
but I am the resurrection now. But then now he's talking about whoever believes on me. Yet you know he's not talking about people never dying physically. He is talking about, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes on me shall not die, but shall live. And the same power that I am speaking of in the resurrection that I am, that same power can affect your body today. And you're going to see it in your brother. I am the resurrection and the life. Stand with me if you would. Jesus didn't just come for his own health and well-being. He came for your health and your well-being. He came to set you free and he came to set me free. He came, you know, they talk about in Leviticus, I think it's Leviticus 17 or something like that. Uh, they can't find a really good word for this. Uh, well, they found a good word, but it's not literally in the Hebrew, but they translate it as scapegoat, scapegoat. Remember, they'd take two goats and one, the priest would put his hands on that goat and he would pronounce all of the sins of the people on that goat and they'd send it off into the wilderness, into dry places and it'd be gone and the other one they would sacrifice. They put, put all those sins on. And so, you know, Jesus came and he came not only to give his life as an eternal sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, but he came as the scapegoat that all of my sins and your sins will be placed on him and taken away from us and taken away from the presence of God. He came, he came to set us free. I'm going to read you a story real quick, and then um, I'm going to invite you to come and to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. During the uh, Franco-Prussian War, one of the, in one of the regiments... They had really sti uh, strict rules and discipline. One of the soldiers had disobeyed orders and was uh, ordered to be shot once he was court-martialed. He was in great agony of mind, and as the hour approached for the execution, the chaplain was sent to him, and the chaplain asked him, are you ready to die? You can play if you want. If you're going to be there. No, replied the prisoner, I'm not ready. But that does not trouble me. I'm troubled about my wife, my little children, thinking of their sorrow and their future, and of such a memory as I will, they'll have of me. When I think of the years of misery and sorrow that they must go through, I cannot even think of my own soul. I am so distressed, I am in despair. There's a fellow Christian man old guy in the regiment and he heard all this and he was so greatly affected by it that he stepped forward he said I'll tell you what I'm going to do I don't have a wife or children to mourn for me it'll be nothing for me to die I'd be glad to be with my Lord let me die in your place this really happened. He talked to the chaplain and the commanding officer, and they were so moved by the man's sacrifice, but they didn't know what to do. So they referred him to the superior officer. 
you've ever been in the military, you're going to understand this because you've got to go up and up and up. Who could hardly believe the story. Do you really mean it? The officer asked. Yes, the Christian man said. There can be no question about it. That poor fella is not ready to die. It would be eternal death for him. To me, it would be but a quick translation to Jesus, whom I will soon see anyway. I don't have a friend on earth who would be worse for it. Let me take his place. The officer was both touched and perplexed. I've never had to decide anything like this. I have no authority to substitute someone. Suppose I defer the case a day or two and I'm going to send it to the crown prince. So the officer galloped off to see the crown prince. The soldier following and brought the case before the prince. The crown prince was deeply moved. And he said, my brave fellow. After he listened to the proposal, he said, I have no authority to take the life of an innocent man. But I have the power to pardon. For your sake, I will pardon the other man. Go back and tell him. Such a vivid picture of what Christ did, except for he also was the substitute. That our sins were pardoned, but not just pardoned. They were laid on him. And in order to lay them on him, he had to take them off of us. That one should die for the sins of all. Maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, joining us online, or listening. And maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Do you know in life, your life will never be satisfied? The hunger, nothing will meet that hunger. The thirst, nothing will meet that thirst until you meet Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, you'll go back to the same job, you'll go back to the same house, you'll go back to the same family, you go back to the same friends, but you are a different person. You are a brand new person. Now you have a life that is outside and beyond the life you live here on the earth. You have a source. You ever want to enjoy your marriage and you're not born again? You get born again, you'll have heaven on earth. You ever want to enjoy your job? You don't enjoy your job? Get born again. Your whole perspective changes. You have a new source of life. You have a new source of purpose. And it's not limited to the here and now. It is eternal. But the only way that you can do that is you must be born again. You must turn your life over to God by giving your life to Jesus Christ. God loves you. Jesus has already paid the price. He's already died on the cross. He's already rose again so that we could have life. So his life, the life that sustains him,
the health that sustains him, the rapport with God that he has, that everyone that would believe on him would have that same rapport, that same life, that same relationship. Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart you believe, and with the mouth you declare what you believe in your heart. When you do that, God will hear your prayer, and he will answer your prayer and he will make you brand new. I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a few seconds, and when I do, I'd like every believer to pray that prayer with me. And if you're not a believer, but you would like to come to God, I want you to pray that prayer. You don't clean yourself up to come to God. You, you don't try to do enough good things. People, a lot of times the notion is, well, once I'm good enough, then I'm gonna to come to God. No, it's too late. You can't even be good enough. If you do everything perfect, but you mess up just the littlest thing, uh, you're guilty of the whole thing, the Bible says. So Jesus took that guilt. Jesus took that punishment so that we could be free and that we could have life that goes beyond your wildest imagination and dreams. Let's pray. Say this, say, Oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that you raised him from the dead so I could be right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm living for you every day. Thank you that I am now born again and I am part of the family of God. Fill me with your spirit. I receive healing in my body, deliverance in my mind. I am a child of God. I am his responsibility. He takes care of me, and I thank him. In Jesus' name, amen.